Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome one, welcome all. It's the greatest show of them all. It is the NFC East Mixtape Volume 104. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts across SB Nation, NFC East platforms. That is Bleeding Green Nation for Philadelphia Eagles coverage. Blogging the boys for Dallas Cowboys. Big blue view for those New York football giants and Hogs Haven for the Washington Commanders. You can also watch this show on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel where you will see the bright, shining, beautiful faces of myself, Amar Joe Cho from BTB, and himself, he is him, Brandon Lee Gutton from BGN. BLG, how goes it? RJ, we have a review to kick off the podcast with this week. I know you're a big fan of. We have a lot to kick off the podcast. There's a lot to yeah, talk about we, you know, in this episode. But most importantly, oh, RJ, we'll the listeners. Who could be more important than the listeners of, of this podcast? The mixologist. Waka, waka, waka. Uh, title on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, which, by the way, you know, feel free to rate review all four feeds here associated with the podcast: Bleeding Green Nation, Blogging the Boys, Big Blue View, Hogs Haven. Leave a uh, even if you've already left or the ones I just said 30 seconds ago, right? And even if you are hearing it a second time, you can still do it. That's that's why I said it again because if you did it once, you can do it again. Anyway, sorry, the Mm -hmm. title is NFC East Mixtape. The review comes from this app equals junk (laughs) and it five stars. (laughs) Big fan of the mixtape, RJ, your pulled pork recipe by the pork butt. Cover in yellow mustard and season generously. Smoke at 225 degrees until 160 internal temperature. Get yourself some apple cider and spray every hour. Wrap in a foil pan with a stick of butter, brown sugar, and honey, and then smoke until 205. Let rest for an hour before shredding. No sauce needed. Wow. Um, that is... That sounds pretty good. I'm not a big fan of mustard in general. I understand in this case, uh, mustard is being suggested as like a like a rub or like a seasoning. A um, I like a I, I like a spicy mustard every now and then. Like if it's a sushi situation, I'm okay with the honey mustard. Um, like if I'm eating some chicken tenders, but standard regular yellow mustard, I'm not a fan of. Um, so this uh, I'm just mentally pushed back a little bit, but I'm certainly willing to try. I, it's I not will head like, over to the Bleeding Green Nation like podcast network to uh, I have, screenshot the recipe. I had to jump in. It's not like eating it directly. I think you have to give it a chance. I think that like, some of the things you don't like about it will like either like, cook out or I, I don't, it's not like, it's different than putting mustard on a hot dog. It's not the same thing. So I think you should give, I think you owe it to the listeners to give that a try at some point and really, you know, show us your results. Um, well, while we're on the subject, I did want to hand out a shout out um, that's kind of on the subject of uh, of meat and smoking. I'm actually, I told you this, I'm smoking something right now, which is the whole like cool part of the pellet oh, grill. Uh, it's on the grill at, at the <laughs> at the moment uh, that you and I are recording this. It's uh, Tuesday right before 1 p.m. Central time, which is a factor. We'll get to that, too. Um, but I've uh, I've really upped my Instagram game as far as content, Brandon and I. 
uh, shocker alert, our jobs are to create content about the teams that we cover. So I have really, really upped. I'm sure you've seen and really enjoyed, Brandon, uh, my Cowboys content on the IG. But I wanted to give a shout out to Matt Pittman on Instagram, my new friend uh, at Meat Church, uh, the best Instagram follow that there is. Uh, followed me back. So Matt and I are friends now. I believe Matt's a Cowboys fan. So um, we'll get, um, you know, maybe we'll get him on the pod here, here, you know, his review on this recipe. Who knows? Um, are we ready to kind of move forward with everything or do we have any other kind of uh, meandering that we want to do? I think we owe it to everyone to get this thing fired up to an internal temperature. Oh, wait, of um, what? <laughs> oh I just... Um, we got a question on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel because we were talking about guests that we had had, and somebody asked when we had Rick Devins on, and I forgot I to answer that, that comment. comment. So apologies, because I don't um, remember. But why. I forgot to answer it. Now, right, and now it's like it's too far back. I can't find it anymore to answer the comment. But when did we have him on? Was, I was trying to remember that. And in, it was, in case anyone's unaware, Rick Devins competed on Survivor, um, got third. Is that right? Well, got third or spoiler second. Alert. Um, uh, I think it was the 2021 season, and it had to be. I think it was after an Eagles Commanders game. I'm guessing it might have been the one where they played on the Tuesday. That's my guess. Remember, they had to play on the Tuesday because Montez Sweat wouldn't get vaccinated, and then the whole roster got like COVID <laughs> and they pushed it back a day. I, I'm I remember sure... how upset you got. That yeah, I do remember. It was terrible, but I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it was around then, so December of 2021, I think. I don't think maybe December 2020. You can probably look this up perhaps? very easily, and we're just wasting time um, guessing. I don't know if you uh, are you actually going to look it up because if you are, I'm going to buy you some time while you do that. Yeah, I'm doing uh, it right now. But I just googled. Uh, okay. I see episode 36. Oh wow! Well, we're at 104, mm -hmm. so that was a long time ago. It's called Surviving uh, the Rest so of that... the Regular Season. And that was a little nod to so it was 2020. Rick Devins being on uh, the uh, the Surviving Snyder podcast. Right, right. Um, so that was 2020 when, when he was on, not 2021, which you just said a moment ago. So you were wrong. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, shout out to Rick Devins. Maybe we'll get him back on. Uh, maybe like the halfway point of this Survivor season. Um, and uh, yeah, we ready? Uh, okay. So it's 10 till 1 central time on Tuesday, March 21st. This is important because, Brandon, we say the time every time we put an episode together, especially this time of year where there's stuff happening kind of left and right. And last week we went through, we went over an hour, we discussed all the moves, and we stopped recording. We sent it to Rachel, our fantastic producer, and all hell broke loose. Like, like literally everything happened. I felt so bad for the mixologists that we weren't here to, to kind of, you know, discuss everything. So we don't have to spend a ton of time on the original things because they were a week ago at this point. Uh, but uh, I know that we go in divisional standing order, but I feel like we have to touch on the Darren Waller trade at the beginning because that happened right after we recorded. Yeah, I mean, that's a well, wait a minute. No, I don't I don't I don't agree with this at all. We're doing it by team. This is your sneaky okay, attempt well, to I mean, do all, it by team. All I'm. I, I don't I'm just saying you're going to confuse the listener, but go no, ahead. If, if yeah, go I, I'm fine team. doing this, but I do it like we always do. OK, it. fine. Right, OK, fine. So uh, when, uh, was Rashad Penny or Marcus Mariota first? Rashad Penny happened not too. I think it might have happened not too long after the uh, I believe it did. Actually, the uh, the signing you just mentioned, Rashad Penny comes to the Eagles 600K guaranteed. I don't think it's it sounds like crazy when you say it, but I don't think it's insane to say the upside for this player is like one of the best players at his position, at least like production wise in the league. Now, I don't think he will get there because he can never stay healthy. It's like pretty much a guarantee he's going to get hurt at some point. Um, but to get a player of that ilk, and this really speaks to a bigger point about running backs being not as valued as 
other positions, when you can get a player of that capability for so little resources, that says something. It's not like you're not signing a guy at defensive end or quarterback for only 600K guaranteed and being like, well, if he just stays healthy and things kind of go his way, he might be one of the best players at his position. So I think it's a really good signing for the Eagles. Again, he's going to get hurt at some point. Um, but you consider like this is a dude who can be super effective in an offense with one of the best run blocking offensive lines in the league with Jalen Hurts there. Um, and it's not like he has to be the bell cow. Like you'll still have other options. They brought back Boston Scott. They have Kenny Gainwell. They have Trey Sermon. I'm sure they'll draft someone. Uh, so I really like that move. And even if, like the way I put it on BGN radio, even if he gets hurt in like the first play of training camp, it's still like a great move. Like it, like, it's, it was a, a signing that didn't really cost you anything. And the upside is sky high. Um, I think if you are, practical or pragmatic with a running back position like if you run an nfl team it has the potential to be the highest return on investment of like any free agent signing you can make right like again if you're pragmatic about it and the eagles generally are um certainly a talent like this is fine like i like this isn't like oh super bowl but it's also like not like oh what are you doing like this is a good solid move solid step in the right direction you had to move on from miles sanders who took the deal with the carolina panthers that also happened since we last spoke um I, I feel like I don't know that there are Eagles fans who are like bummed about that. I mean, bummed on like an emotional level, certainly, but maybe not bummed on like a, an actual a resource you know, level. logical level. Yeah, no. Right. So, I mean, this this makes sense. Um, I talked about Marcus Mariota. Um, finally. That finally happened. Finally happened. <laughs> it took it took eight years. Um, I remember that so vividly. Um, so in case anyone doesn't know, because some people come to fandom later, or whatever, it was 2015, right? And that was Chip Kelly's what wound up being his final year, right, with the Eagles. He was fired before the season ended, right? Um, and obviously he, he had come from Oregon. He had loved Marcus Mariota. And there was all the talk that they were trying to trade up with the Titans, right, for the number two overall pick. He ultimately went there, obviously. Uh, he has had a, a long NFL career to this point, but he has now arrived. The chosen son, uh, the prince that was promised for the city of Philadelphia. The new Ben Simmons. I don't know about that. Imagine going <laughs> back in, like, imagine me now in 2022. No, sorry, it's 2023. Imagine Three. me in 2023 going back to the past and telling you or everyone that, hey, look, I'm from the future, which is already pretty crazy. But put that aside for a second. And the Eagles have won a Super Bowl. And the Eagles also have had two head coaches since uh chip kelly they, they have two head coaches beyond chip kelly and marcus mariota is on their roster like how would you like reconcile all those things you'd be like and, hey, what would that look like and they and they traded up to take a quarterback at number two overall that wasn't marcus mario and the quarterback who won the super bowl was <laughs> it was nick wasn't Wolf. him <laughs> like who they did just it was nick about, like a couple months ago you'd be like wait what like no like that's, wow. that's how crazy the nfl is and like oh and and to your point uh andy reed has won two super bowls yeah, one and, against and the, the eagles way, like that <laughs> yeah like that's like, that's uh, just no i mean not, like, if anyone told you that you'd be like no like literally zero if you could bet the odds on that if there are odds for that exact outcome they'd be like what you, you like a hundred dollars to win like a trillion dollars there's just no way you would have thought that was going to happen so uh that's kind of the craziness of it all but i think from a, a roster analytical assessment that's a fine move you know the backup quarterback market it's right in line with those contracts it's one year five million guaranteed with uh, up to eight million and 
you know, I think, uh, is he a great passer? No, clearly not. But he's a backup quarterback. He's one of the better backup quarterbacks. I think he has a potential to be an upgrade on Minshew. At the very least, I do feel confident in his running ability. And that kind of fits what the Eagles do. And, you know, if they have to go on a playoff run with Marcus Mariota, do I believe he can lead them to a championship? No, of course not. But uh, if he misses, if it hurts, has to miss a couple games, which he's ha- kind of had to uh, in at least he missed one in 2021. He missed three last year or two last year. Um, I'm, I'm not trolling. I'm I'm, act- I'm actually asking. What? He's never played a full regular season, right? Correct. Right. In his rookie, at this point, his rookie year, he only started four games at the end and then he missed. Yeah, two. I mean, like that doesn't count to me. He missed right. one game as a full time starter in 2021. And then he missed, I think, was it? Yeah, two last year, the Cowboys game and the Saints game. So. Um, and then the Giants at the at the end. Oh no, he no, played, he that played one, in sorry. that one. So yeah, so if if you know if Mariota has to come in like for a two game four game stretch, you feel like he can you know give you a chance to win and keep the season afloat. It's a fine move. Um, speaking as a Cowboys fan, I am much less afraid of Marcus Mariota than I was Gardner Minshew, and I lauded the Gardner Minshew trade when it happened. Um, that was before the twenty one season. Is that correct? Um, so I mean. I, and I remember, like, just on the subject of Mariota, like, I remember, like, begging the universe for the Eagles to be able to do it. Like, I wanted that so badly for the Eagles to sell all their capital to get up and, and take Mariota. I just didn't believe that, that his NFL career would take off. And I know he had some some prominent moments in Tennessee, um, but it, it, it never realized what I think, you know, certainly his hype level was. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think, I mean, I don't. I'm going to call it regression at QB2, but I don't think it's like significant. I don't think it's massive. I do think he has a higher ceiling, but I think he has a much lower floor than Gardner Minshew, I guess is where the I The contract think. is, you know, Minshew got less. So that doesn't mean he's definitely better, but it is worth noting that the market valued Mariota higher. And I guess you know, part of that might be starting experience and whatnot and pedigree being a number two overall pick. It is worth noting that the Eagles have more Heisman winner, baby. The sec- Two Heisman winners now on the Eagles roster. You know, the last time that happened um well it was in 2015 three Heisman winners total you're saying at quarterback specifically no is that what you're talking about like well, they, were, they were because there was previously but not because right now it's Devonte smith and marcus mariota right, previously right. it was in 2015 oh, yeah, I, it was sam Bradford don't tell me don't tell me and, and don't tell me i'm thinking it was tw- so 2015 eagles about, sam like, bradford a very prominent college football player <laughs> maybe one of the most ever Oh, when Tebow was was around <laughs> yeah. for like that cup of coffee or whatever. Yep. Um, wow. Uh, well, that was shout out to Chip Kelly again. Like a very the the Eagles have just had all the you know even Jalen Hurts not a Heisman winner but like a super you know prominent name in the world of college football. Um, someday Arch Manning is destined to be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what this tells us. Um, wow. Okay. Um, anything else? Like well, anything notable? Yeah. I mean, the, Darius Slay's dad. Well, okay. Well, that's. We, well, okay, so this was dramatic, and we had like fun laughing at this. This was this actually happened Wednesday night because I was watching Survivor when it happened. Um, when so correct me if I'm wrong, Wednesday during the day, there's the like he actually said goodbye, right? And his wife is his wife who tweeted out like it was super hard for them to leave, and she was really sad, mm-hmm. and, and it was like they're gonna cut him, and all these Eagles fans were like, he's trash anyway. <laughs> and then you know Wednesday night is the report that uh, that he's gonna return, and all these Eagles fans are like, oh, he, goat, goat slay goat this and he comes back on the rework deal um in addition to keeping bradbury so the secondary at least the starting corner stay intact i actually have a really good tweet regarding, regarding the perception thing you just said and to be clear yeah i tweeted some stuff that was not favorable in slay uh like after mm-hmm. news, but i don't regret it like mm-hmm. I, I was not i didn't love how slay finished the season last year in any case uh 
94 Sports Radio WIP, their midday show, ran a poll. Uh, and it, I forget, this was on Tuesday, or whenever the first new, the news first that was Slay might move on. Uh, and the, the poll here question was, did the Eagles make a mistake by releasing Darius Slay? And RJ, with over 6,000 votes, 37% of the people said yes. So that means 63% said no. But then once it was announced that he came back, another poll was ran. And that was, are you happy that the Eagles found a way to make it work with Darius Slay? And 91% said yes. And 9% said no. So uh, there's definitely some. These are your tweets. These are your tweets. Um, Darius Slay 2022 via Pro Football Focus. Week one through week six. I'm not going to read through this. But you basically highlighted how he was a baller from week one through week six. In a great start. Week seven through the Super Bowl. Didn't finish as strong. Your exact words were started hot, finished cold. And then, and then you were dragging. You were in full on troll BLG mode. This isn't even commentary. It's just objective information. With seven picks. So Slay's career as an eagle. These are the quarterbacks he has picked up. Right. Andy Dalton once, Sam Darnold twice, Trevor Simeon once, Kirk Cousins, your boy, mm-hmm. twice, and Cooper Rush once. So are you pumped to have this guy back? Are you 91% pumped? Well, I said like this is like the Jonathan Gannon of cornerbacks here. It's like he shows up against the bad quarterbacks where the big plays. The guy, the guy insists on being called big play, doesn't make an interception after week six. You go on a deep playoff run to the Super Bowl. It's a little like, hey, man, I need some of those big plays, and especially against in big-time moments against – other quarterbacks, the best quarterback he picked off last. I looked this up like like an actually really good quarterback. And if you're going to say Cousins is that guy, if he's the very best, that's not I really. Would, but OK, but is that like really impressive if he is the best from that list? Not really. I mean, so are you, so then are you saying his most impressive, most recent interception came as a lion? Is that what you're about to say? It, did. it was like in week two of 2019 because he made one in 2020. And that was Andy Dalton uh, at the end of the season. So. The most impressive, I think you would say, is like Philip Rivers early in 2019. I would say Kirk in 22 is way more. Impressive. Okay, but like, are these like uh, great achievements that we're debating right now? Any case, no. But like, that's so that's so dumb. Like, does any corner in the Hall of Fame like stand up in their speech and be like, "I picked off John Elway"? But like, no. Like, dude, like it doesn't matter. Interceptions matters. are interceptions. Me, like, the quality of competition is absolutely a factor. In any case, he's back okay. and. I don't love we haven't seen the details yet somehow still a week later of like what exactly changed in this contract. I don't love the concept of guaranteeing an aging player at a position. I think that is, you know, especially prone to decline and a player who I thought showed potentially some signs of decline at the end of last season. And not everyone agrees with that assessment. Uh, Johnny Page for Bleeding Green Nation does these really great uh, film breakdowns at the site and he still feels like Slay is playing at a high level and maybe I'm being too hard on him. I'm just being honest about how I feel, what we saw at the end of last season. So I don't hate it. I also don't love it. Um, I do like getting James Bradbury back. I thought that was really uh, unexpected because everyone thought he was going to leave. But to get him at a rate that was pretty reasonable too, relative to the market, I forget what it is now at the top of my head. But like the money he got was like, it's pretty in line, I think, with the player he is. They didn't have to overpay to keep him. Um, And obviously this is all intertwined. I can't mention this without bringing in the cj gardner johnson factor which so now he is in detroit lots of lion detroit spillover happening he is in detroit and basically what has been put out there is that the eagles wanted to keep cj gj early in the process i think it is born like i don't think it's just hearsay or speculate i think it's clearly the results bear out that he was anticipating getting more 
then his market was really out there for him. Because, like, think about, RJ, think about how crazy it is that you just led the NFL in interceptions as Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and you went to the Super Bowl, and you took a one-year deal, and now you're betting on yourself to have a better year than the year you just came off of. And you're going to really? Like, you're going to hit the market next year? hotter and make more money like that doesn't make any sense so i think he clearly overplayed his hand and i brought this up i think on bgn radio and maybe it seems like a minor thing to some people but cj dj posted an instagram story last week and it was not like in jest it was something to the effect of he felt like he could have had 12 interceptions last year if he didn't get hurt or whatever like that's that's clearly speaking to a player who might not be like totally realistically assessing his own market which hurts you because it's not like I get you have to be confident and stuff and whatnot and believe in yourself. But if you're doing it to a level that's totally unrealistic, then you're going to get less money at the end of the day because the money's only drying up as free agency progresses. So I think he kind of played himself a little bit. And it's kind of, these are, look, these are worse off without him because right now at safety, they only have Reed Blankenship, who was an undrafted rookie free agent last year, and like Kayvon Wallace, who should not be a starter, and Andre Sachery. And they just signed this guy, Justin Evans, who was out of football for a couple of years before last year. So they're clearly a worse team with him or sorry, without him at the same time. Like, I don't know, man, I can't, I kind of can't crush them for not getting it done. When you look at how like he's kind of handled things since leaving and his agency, which was like, who was like tweeting out a deal that wasn't even like real apparently potentially. Cause they were like, Oh, there's 17 million in the third year. Like that wouldn't be allowed in terms of how contracts are structured in the NFL. So uh, a long winded way of saying like, it's unfortunate it didn't work out, but I'm also not, crust that he's gone um i mean i i don't generally feel like rule of thumb for me is i don't crush nfl teams for not paying like and by paying i mean like paying paying uh running back a tight end safety like that's just where we're at in today's nfl um so and i know that the lions didn't like pay him pay him but like again i think that there was like you know some some bad blood i don't say bad blood but like it was just you know it it had to be somebody else that wasn't the eagles at that point like it kind of felt that way um i think if the, I think th- there's going to be regression for the Eagles, right? Like, especially defensively, like the sacks and things like that. Or like, that's going to come. I think that, that CJGJ is, like, the face of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was this, like, I don't want to say, like, hot player only with the Eagles. But, like, it's all, like, it's it's this is, like, emblematic of the effect that is happening. You know what I'm saying? Which is why, I mean, to you know, we talked about this a lot. But, like, not winning the Super Bowl is so devastating for Eagles fans because, like, it was there. You were right there. It's so hard to recapture that and so hard to be the exception the way that Philly was last season. I think if you look back at some of the plays that CJ DJ made last year, and look, I'm not trying to say like actually it's a bad player. I'm just saying mm, when this, this sounds like talking out of both sides. No, when you but, well look like when you're talking about regression, do you really expect CJ DJ to have six interceptions or close to that number again next season? You don't because that's a very high number. I think he'll have like two to three. So I think that's the kind of player he is. I think he makes plays on the ball. There's something to be said for being in the right position at the right time. But I was watching just some of the forget even like looking at his highlights specifically, you know, like the B-roll footage that like they'll show if like uh, Ian Rappaport or Tom Pelissero are talking about like a player signing. with. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they, I was watching some clips like that and they were showing CJ DJ clips and you're just seeing like tip passes go right to him. Like it's not even like he made a play on the ball. He's standing there. Someone tipped it and it's like right in his arms. And to his credit, he's catching it. Not all players can do that. Watched Nigel Bradham once upon a time drop a lot of interceptions uh, that came right to him. But, like, the point is, I think 
this was him at like a 99 kind of percentile performance last season. And it was great. I'm not trying to take any- that's And that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that the Eagles defense and an offense to some degree was the 99th percentile yes, in a lot of ways. But you're paying for a contract um, so, now that is beyond that, like, and probably worse than that and less than that. So you can't just pay for that 99 percentile performance because that's not realistically what you're going to get. And I think it was way out of whack. And again, I, I think, you know, you could have said maybe the Eagles should have done something differently, but it's it's very clear that Chauncey Garner Johnson's side messed up. They did. Again, you can you cannot argue that they did not mess up. You, you there's no way he's hitting the market harder next year than he did this year. I agree with that. I think there are three things that are true here. I think that Chauncey Garner Johnson um you know, tried to, and like, I don't blame him, tried to cash in as much as he could, try to leverage what he could and missed, you know what I mean? His, his representation misread or, or miscalculated and he missed. Uh, the Eagles are worse off without him. Like, even if there is regression, right? Like that's another thing that's true. Yep. And number three, this was the inevitable that was to come for the Eagles, right? Like, like regression happening, purge happening, you know, change happening. So all of those things could be true. Um, so he's now a member of the Detroit Lions. Do the Eagles play the Lions? I don't twenty twenty three think so, but I mean they could conceivably meet in the playoffs. The Eagles do play the Patriots because uh, the NFC plays the AFC East and Juju Smith-Schuster. So I cannot wait for that. Uh, we will get Juju. The Eagles don't play the Lions because they played the yeah. NFC North last year and they did not place in the same place in the division. So yeah, no. Right. Uh, so the Cowboys play the Lions next year. So interesting. Okay, uh, is that it for the Eagles? We still, we still have a lot. To yeah, do. I know. I'm not trying well, to there's like a lot anything, in Eagles but... world, specifically after the podcast. They also right. brought back Fletcher Cox. That's worth mentioning. Don't love it, but also they needed. Oh, yeah. I saw you were not. I saw you were not pleased with this. Like there, there was. And in fact, I saw um, I think uh, so. Seth Walters, like handling the grades for ESPN's um, analysis of agency. And I, I'm this is my memory. I think he graded it like a D minus or like a C minus. Like it's just it's a lot to pay for the lack of production. I think he's just a declining player. Just, you're, pay, you're paying for the le- you're paying for the legacy is kind of what it feels. He said so many. I mean, obviously, like I respect Fletcher Cox for his like the yes, the legacy has value. And I'm not trying to totally dismiss that. But if we're talking about what Fletcher Cox is in 2023, I just. I don't know. I think the stats rebound last year was not really necessarily a great indicator that he's back as much as he kind of he had a good, like decent season, but also kind of just spoke to the Eagles defensive success as a whole. And I just I, I've said it uh, and I'll repeat it again. I just feel like there's so many times last year where I saw him getting like pushed around out there, especially in the run game. And I just I didn't love to see that. Uh, he was also today as we're recording this sign, Nicholas Morrow um, from the Bears last year cowboys had had been weirdly connected to him over the, like many times over the last year so just kind of weird how he popped up and then wound up with the eagles they needed a starting linebacker because they lost both tj edwards and kaiser white so you kind of have him and potentially right. nicobe dean in there again they kind of have to do that same thing at safety by the way it's very funny to me that so the eagles signed justin evans i mentioned earlier at this safety who's probably honestly going to be like might not even make the team to back up um but it's it's very funny that when they signed him it's very clear that the Eagles put out there, this is not our only move at safety, but like they, they didn't say it themselves, of course, but they like four or five or six different reporters were all like, this doesn't mean the Eagles are done at safety. This doesn't mean the Eagles are done at safety, which is very funny to me because it's basically the Eagles saying, please tweet out that we know this guy isn't actually that good. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of just a, how the sausage is made thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is still time for the, that's, that's kind of an annoying thing uh, that's been said a lot this off season. It's not untrue to be clear, just the, but it's like any kind of hole that the Eagles have, it's like, okay, it, it, it's, it's all right because it's a long offseason. And there is truth to that. They did get A.J. Brown during the draft last year. They did sign Chauncey or trade for Chauncey Garner-Johnson right before the season. 
But just because they did those things doesn't mean like those opportunities will be there definitely again. It's possible they will be. You can't rule it out. But uh, it's fair to like be concerned about the Eagles' safety position right now when they don't have a really proven option there. But, you know, John Johnson's still on the market. Um, Kevin Byard, there's rumors that, you know, something could happen with him. So there are things to kind of to monitor and, and have optimism that could happen. Um, but zooming out, RJ, so I know you're not paying attention, and I'll wrap this up on the Eagles. I think it comes Damn, down but to something. Something happened. That's just is it the, big? The, you know how this goes. What? So. Uh, no, something. Uh, but continue, and then I'll. Last thing like, I want to say about the Eagles is that uh, yeah. <clears throat> look, they have a Super Bowl ceiling with Jalen Hurts, right? That's fair to say, assuming there's no massive regression with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. The Eagles have the ceiling of a Super Bowl team. I think that's fair to say. It's just that. Um, so I don't think that changed from last year to this season. It's just, again, about the, the margin for error being slimmer. You know, it's, you're probably not going to be in a position where you are entering your final three games, just needing one more win to clinch the number one seat. That's probably not the same thing this year. What's so busy that, um, that I need you, you to, I'm, uh, I'm not texting. Me. I'm getting content at. Uh, well, I'm trying to save it for the pod, so I need you to, you know, buy me like five minutes while I, I you know, get an article out and things like that. Eagles. Um, well, wait, what was that? You can do this, Brandon. You can carry us for five minutes. <laughs> RJ is so shook. Um, I mean, that's about it. I mean, that's that's all. The Eagles also signed great greedy Williams, but I think that's kind of more of a depth move than anything uh, huge going on the roster. They, they lost Zach Pascal, not a huge deal. Um, they lost Isaac Sumalo. That's worth noting. Starting offensive lineman, right guard. Uh, it always seemed like he was going to leave in free agency because why would you kind of keep Cam Jurgens on the bench for two straight years? I mean, ideally, if you could have brought back Sumalo on a one-year deal at a reasonable rate and no one wanted him, sure. But you were not going to compete against the market to bring back uh, like almost 30-year-old starter at right guard um, when you have depth in the organization and you can let him walk. So they did that. Um, Eagles well positioned with losing all these phrases, by the way, to get the maximum of four compensatory picks in the 2024 NFL draft, um, which kind of puts them up to 12 picks total, potentially, again, assuming those things work out. And in theory, could have even more if they lose specifically Brian Johnson to their offensive coordinator to a head coaching job next year under the uh Resolution JC2A comp pick thing, or basically when a minority, uh, either coach, assistant coach, or front office executive gets hired to a head coach or GM role, then you get uh, compensation for that. We saw that work with the 49ers, uh, notably recently. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. It would not apply. I was uh, keenly alerted to, to defensive coordinator Sean Desai because he has only spent one year with the Eagles as of after this season. Um, and it, the, the guy needs to be there or woman needs to be there with two, at least two seasons. So um, point being, they have a lot of 2024 NFL draft capital and projected draft capital. And that is something to note because they only have six picks this year. So they can get more, a little bit more aggressive potentially about trading picks next year, knowing that they're going to have a lot of those. So that is something to keep an eye on down the line. 
RJ, do you need me to keep vamping for like 10 minutes? Uh, no, we can we can start uh, the Cowboys portion of this conversation okay. and we you can help me out here. Um, so let's get into it. The Cowboys, um, by a lot of people's measurements, are having um, a really good offseason. It started off uh, by trading for Stefan Gilmore um, and then trading for Brandon Cooks on Sunday morning. Okay, the Cowboys job. agreed to... Yeah, that's what I was... <laughs> Thank you for spoiling it. I spent all this time uh, buying us time uh, on Tuesday, the day we're recording this. The Cowboys agreed uh, or brought in Chuma Adaga. Uh, that's their first external veteran free agent signing because, uh, again, the Gilmore and Cooks, you know, moves were both by way of trade. And as of this recording, while it's happening, so I'm getting everything out across BTB, um, they signed Ronald Jones to a one-year deal. Uh, excuse me, a one-year deal. This was really predictable. It, it's The Cowboys have been kind of connected to Rojo since Sunday night, I would say. Um, so it's kind of felt inevitable. So it's finally happening, which is why we're fortunate that we had um, some things ready at BTB. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 curious to hear your thoughts on the Cowboys as I kind of get this out. Yeah. So I need you to vamp on them. <clears throat> and um, well, I think the it. Cowboys made some pretty good moves. Uh, I like the Ooh. fact that they these are low cost moves, you know, what it took to get Stefan mm-hmm. Gilmore. That's basically a steal. Like what are the Colts doing? If you're looking at it from an Eagles perspective, it's like, why are you just, by giving... the way, did it bother you that Shane Steichen? <laughs> I didn't think Shane about Steichen that immediately. Since, uh... I did think about that later. And I was like, wait a minute. Um, I mean, I get it for the Colts and that like, they don't need to keep him, but it just feels like you're just like giving him away at that cost. Like you're barely getting much in return. Now he is older. So that is something to keep in mind. I think if you're looking at it from the Eagles homerism slant, you want to say that, okay, they got Gilmore and they got cooks. These are older guys. And with cooks, I know he's a little bit like, I think he's, he's been in the league longer than his age would suggest. And you also have to look at his specific injury history with and concussions. And that's something very serious and something uh, to monitor and probably factors into, you know, the cost and everything. Um, also have to consider that, you know, you're not getting Brandon Cooks for free in terms of like your, your, your designated, I know the Colts took on, or sorry, the Texans took on some of his salary, but the Cowboys are still paying like a hefty chunk of that. So that's another part of why, um, you know, the cost is lower because you're taking on a significant portion of salary for a player who's been productive and a player who has been linked to the Eagles in the past. And I've liked Brandon Cooks. Um, but again, you know, I question the health a little bit and, and if he can hold up. I also question that, you know, he's been on a really bad team for a couple of seasons now uh, in Houston. And certainly um, there's an effect where not saying he's a bad player because he has a track record of being good before he joined the Texans. But, um, you know, there is some extent of like in the NBA, sometimes you have a player who has really good volume stats because like uh, someone has to take the shots. And even though, um, where am I going with that? Uh, it's so hard when I'm just vamping and RJ is doing nothing. Uh, but the point being, like, nothing sometimes when he's just lazily doing nothing over there, when you have a player in the NBA who like puts up numbers on a bad, but on a bad team, like a team that, okay, yeah, he's putting up great stats, but they're not actually winning. So that's another point that you kind of wonder about. But overall, you know, these are deals that you do. I think anyone would say that. Um, in the Cowboys position, I will say that from an opportunity cost perspective, I would I would much rather the Cowboys trade for Brandon Crooks Cooks than get um, like DeAndre Hopkins. I would rather face him than than D Hop. Uh, but still, I think those are reasonable additions. And they, it's interesting 
because they kind of really fit into what Jerry Jones said and got criticized for, rightfully so, during the Eagles Super Bowl stretch where he kind of talked about the Eagles being all in, which was not really, I think, an accurate assessment. But there was some level of like, the Eagles paid some big cost to get some of the players that they did specifically, I guess, really in the AJ Brown case where they gave up the first round pick. Whereas the Cowboys and their mentality is that like, they don't want to give up significant assets and resources like that. They kind of want to hunt for bargain deals. And that's what they did to some extent uh, with these, the Gilmore and cooks trade. So, you know, I think those were, were good moves for them in the sense of they got two really good players. Um, But it also does, you know, it's not like these are players in their prime who are going to be here for years and years and years and years to come. This is about the Cowboys setting up a window that they feel like they can win now in, and the pressure is going to be on to do so because, like, you know, how many good seasons are you going to get out of Stefan Gilmore? How many good seasons are you going to get out of Brandon Cooks? Enough to compete for a Super Bowl now, but again, I'm just saying they're not like, hey, we have, like, it's not like AJ Brown. You got him and you had to pay a first round pick. Yeah, but you got him when he's like 24, 25 years old. You could have him for like 10 more seasons conceivably. Um, I need 10 more seconds. Needs 10 more seconds. So, uh, you know, anything else they did outside of that, I don't think really matters as much. You know, they, a couple like smaller moves here. They, they let Dalton Schultz walk. I think that was the right move. I think uh, we had this talk during last year's uh, NFC East mixtape overrated under, or, or no, sorry, it was the all NFC East team. And I think there was contention from you that Schultz should be over Goddard. And I was like, I can't even name a Dalton Schultz highlight from the previous season, like even that just stood out. Um, and certainly he did not have a great 2022 in part marred by injury. So I think the Cowboys did the right thing to let him walk because there's just no need to overpay him. But at the same time, it's not like the Cowboys have a ton at tight end currently, but I guess they can address that position in the draft because the draft is said to be good at tight end. So um, I'm adding this to our track. What are you doing? You know, Why don't you look at people behind the curtain and say it as you're doing it? Um, I told you I'm adding the news story of signing Ronald Jones to our tracker at blogonthevoice.com where we track every single thing that the Cowboys are doing. In do you free hear agency. Leo barking in I'm the actually, background? I do. I'm actually better at doing this hey, uh, hey. while talking. I almost got the time oh, yeah. wrong because we put this in Eastern time. Um, I'm actually better at doing this while typing than I, than I thought I would be. Um, so updating the tracker, which has everything. Now going to get the tweet out for the tracker. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, mm, so the Cowboys so you confirm were... that you're uh, the man behind the BTB account. No, I'm tweeting this out from my mm. my own. I don't know how that was complicated for you, um, but you know, whatever. because you like you, the, wanna... you love this idea that the BTB account Twitter account is like this. There, I tweet sometimes. But there are multiple people. It's clearly I, you because of the all some... caps and excitement. It's clearly you. No, I tweet sometimes, but there's uh, a way to separate yourself t- from the homerism that the blatant homerism that comes out of that account. Um, okay. Um, okay. Last thing. Last thing. All right. Last I don't know. Thing. What else, I mean, I, I, I pretty much said like all my thoughts in Cowboys free agency. I, I can't give you more. Yeah, you really did. I mean, like you really did a phenomenal job. Okay. Um, so I think that the Cowboys are um, doing what they, 
say they like to do, which is addressing all of their holes prior to the draft, right? Like when the season ended, it was, um, you know, you need a corner, you need a wide receiver, you need help along the offensive line, you need help at running back, like presuming that certain things would happen. You didn't even mention, at least I don't think you did, um, the release of Zeke Elliott um, since we left. Okay. Um, so, I mean, well, that's a note. No, I agree. I, I, just, I just laughed because um, I thought of Zeke's last play as a cowboy ever. <laughs> yeah, um, it, that's low-hanging fruit for people, but, but, but it come is what on. it is. It's, it's pretty, like, I can't not say it. I know it's not funny to you, but it is pretty, like, crazy that that is. I mean, I think he'll be back at it's, some point in the Cowboys uniform. I don't know if that's this year or down the road, but I think it will happen. If he if he plays uh, for somebody else, I'm, I'm at the time of this recording, he's not on another team. Um, I totally envision him signing, like, the you know, proverbial, like one day contract or whatever right. to retire a cowboy, blah, blah, blah. Um, so anyway, um, the Stefan Gilmore trade was incredible. Like, I mean, they, they got a, a starter, they got a starting corner opposite of Trayvon Diggs. So they obviously have contract discussions. They have to work out over this off season. They got a day one starter for a fifth round pick. I mean, like what, and, and I don't know that you mentioned this again, I was listening, but half listening, the whole, the audience was listening to you at least. Um, that's just kind of the way the sausage is made around here. I have sausage in the smoker if we want to take things back there. Um, that was the lower of their two compensatory picks in the fifth round this year. So they, you know, that's a, a new thing. Fifth. It's not new, yeah. new, but like still relatively new to be able to trade those comp picks. So uh, it was the lowest of their, at the time, three fifth round picks. Um, so again, it wasn't even like Shane Steiger was like, give me what your are best fifth. doing? <laughs> like ask for the so highest like, one. Right. Uh, so that was so awesome uh, to see happen. And, I don't know that you saw this, but like the Cowboys locker room, like all the players like freaked out about him. Like they clearly really look up sure. to him. He's a defensive player of the year. He's won a Super Bowl. I mean, like he walks in with some, some, you know, status wow. and stature that like they, they don't know what, what it is. You know what I mean? Like he's done the things that they're trying to do. I, I do think that's a valuable thing. And BTBers have heard me say this, but when the Cowboys signed Gerald McCoy in 2020, um, granted, he had not won the Super Bowl, but he felt like this guy who was a veteran who had done a lot of things in the NFL, obviously. And I likened him or that move at the time to Mike McCarthy bringing Charles Woodson into Green Bay, right? Like, again, somebody who had been there, done that, and could kind of show the, the younger players on the team how it was done. And I certainly think that, like, Stephon Gilmore is such a valuable role model for Trayvon Diggs at the very least. And even your Micah Parsons is players that are, like, at the forefront of the NFL. Um, so that was a huge move. And, and we were kind of living... Cow we've been screaming for Cowboys, the, the Cowboys to make moves like this for a long time and been jealous of the Eagles and how are you doing things like this all the time? So it was, I mean, like our cupeth had runneth over, you know what I'm saying? I don't know why I said cupeth, but our cup had runneth over with Cowboys like sort of uh, appreciation. And then on Sunday, um, I mean, you know, the Brandon Cooks thing happens and, and the Cowboys had been connected to Brandon Cooks mid last season. I don't know that you recall yeah, that. He obviously had the Yes, fall I do. He had the falling out with Houston, and that was unfortunate um, for him and for them. And obviously, things were a little bit tough, um, you know, for the Texans in a lot of different ways. But they were reportedly willing to offer a third-round pick, and Houston wanted a second-round pick. So they got him for a fifth this year. That was actually Dallas's own fifth. So they, they actually still hold the middle of their originally three fifth-round picks and a sixth-round pick next year. So who cares, right? And they restructured his deal. It's very funny and very similar, or very funny how similar it is to the Amari Cooper trade. Obviously, that involved a fifth-round pick. Everybody forgets that it also involved a swap of sixth-round picks. Not that that makes it better, uh, but that was technically a part of the transaction. And right after the Browns traded for Amari, 
um, they restructured his deal and they created some salary cap space. And it was like, hey, look, you could have done this, uh, but they didn't. Uh, the Cowboys didn't, at least. So immediately they restructured Brandon Cooks's deal that happened on Monday night, uh, saved $6 million in salary cap space. They've restructured so far this offseason the deals of Dak Prescott, Zach Martin. They did Michael Gallup, so he's going to be around at least another year. They did have an out in his deal next year. So we kind of were like, well, what's going to happen? But they're clearly believing in him bouncing back from the torn ACL. They restructured Demarcus Lawrence's deal. Um, they restructured Tyron Smith's deal. So he is officially coming back, which is a big deal. Not that he's going to play, you know, all 17 games, but having Tyron is a, a much better thing than not having him. Um, so everything has been wonderful and awesome. I mean, it's it's a strange place to be. You don't win the Super Bowl, obviously, you know, at this time of year, and I wouldn't know what that's like. But I mean, they have put they have taken themselves seriously, which is what I think every Cowboys fan has wanted and screamed for them to do to realize. And, and look, you and I, I think both agree that Dak Prescott is at worst the second best quarterback in the NFC right now. So you have a chance, you have a shot, right? Like there's, if you're looking at this through a Cowboys lens, there's probable regression coming for the Eagles. We just talked about that when we were having the discussion about them. The Packers are about to lose Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings, nobody believes in except for RJ and he was wrong. I mean, the Niners, who knows what they're going to look like. Like this, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. And so it is an amalgamation of everything they've done that I think has made everybody feel so positive. It's the Gilmore trade, the Cooks trade, the restructuring of Tyron to keep him around. Um, to be honest, the releasing of Zeke Kelly. It's like it's unfortunate to say like that made everybody so happy because that's never a good thing. But it does prove that they finally understand the error that they committed a long time ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I have no complaints. I'm very happy with everything they've done so far. I think, yeah, you should be. And um, I think it's going to be really interesting to debate who is the best starting you know, the, the NFC East uh all the all-star roster basically like we do every offseason that'll be some very interesting discussions at wide receiver specifically and at cornerback um, way, it's the eagles wait wait ask i'm the, saying ask the question it's again. going to be interesting to talk about the positions at wide receiver and cornerback when it comes to the nfc east all-star roster when we debate those positions in the offseason because now you're going to be like you're going to be like it should be the song stefan gilmore uh, and Trayvon Diggs, I'm going to be like, think, well, it should be James Bradbury should be in there. I think the two best corners in the division are James Bradbury, Tray, Trayvon Diggs, and and Darius Slay. I still believe in Darius Slay personally, but Bradbury's um, better. Like, I don't think you can. I don't think you can leave Diggs off. And I think the two best receivers are AJ and CD. But I think mm -hmm. that the third person, like if we ranked the the two duos, right, the two duos of receivers and corners from both Dallas and Philly, I think Dallas's second player is is fourth. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think James Bradbury is the third corner, and I think that Devontae Smith is the third receiver. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like I, I don't I don't think in either case that it's it's both Eagles or both Cowboys or whatever. But it is close, and like it's exciting to kind of see like the Cowboys loading up and to take this seriously, yeah. and, and, and exciting to think about. What, the, what these games are going to be like, presuming, you know, they do have full health because that's what we want to see more than anything. And those specific matchups, yeah, going up against each other, like Darius Slay and Bradbury going up against CD and Brandon Cooks. Um, and so I, I saw a tweet on. right now um, in my, you know, work that I was doing, which you were chastising me for. Uh, so Ronald Jones went to USC. Uh, this is a tweet from Jared Sandler from 105 through the fan, the home of the Cowboys does a lot of their Texas Rangers work. Uh, but he tweeted that when Ronald and he went to USC, he tweeted when Ronald Jones was in the middle of his first training camp at USC, he had admitted to early struggles due to being homesick and specifically mentioned that he missed Whataburger. My kind of guy, Ronald Jones. Um, 
so um, we obviously did a lot of research on Brandon Cooks. And I do think that, like, I'm pumped about the Stephon Gilmore thing. Don't get me wrong, but I'm kind of more pumped about the Brandon Cooks thing. And some of that is, like, he's a receiver, and so, he, like, he scores touchdowns, right? Like, that's just, like, like you know, if you're a football fan, you just kind of, like, naturally lean into that direction. I guess I think that Brandon is is more underrated. I think Stephon Gilmore is very properly rated, right? He has, like, the proper sort of credentials across, like, NFL fans. So since 2020, which is his whole Houston tenure, obviously, um, there are 17 receivers in the NFL who had at least 2,800 yards and 15 touchdowns. He is one of them. And the other 16 are your who's who of players, right? Like your, you know, AJ Brown's on that list. He's on that list. Justin Jefferson, Cooper, you know, like it's again, it's the best receivers in the NFL. Um, I also had another list. I had forgot off the top of my head, but like he has been very, like very quietly. He has been one of the most productive receivers in the NFL in his Houston tenure specifically. And he had the one season with Deshaun Watson in 2020, mm -hmm. but since then it has been not great right. as far as quarterback play. Goes. So I think that's the case like in his favor, you could be like, well, he hasn't had great quarterbacks to work with and he's been productive. Sure. Um, and although a little bit less so last year, but he, you know, some of those games he missed. Uh, but again, on the flip side, I don't know how much of this you caught when I, and you were working, which by the way, I mean, you're really just betraying the listeners, you know, that's fine. <laughs> but um, is that like, when you're, you know, there is such a thing as players who are productive on bad teams because there's just opportunity there to be had. Someone has to get the yards. Someone has to do it. I'm not saying that means he's a bad player now, but I'm saying like, I wonder how much of that production, especially lately, because, you know, he's an aging player. I know he has the track record of before uh, the success before going to Houston with the Rams for a little bit there. And then, you know, he had the one year of the Patriots. And he's very good for the Saints. I just wonder... Um, you know, that I guess that's the if you're gonna look at the positives of Gilmore and Cooks, which I think to be fair, I have you're if you're looking at the negatives, it's like, you know, do these players hit a decline sooner than we expected? And probably not both of them, but the fact that you're betting on multiple players, and this to be fair, this is the same kind of question I think I have about like Slay and Bradbury, who's gonna be 30, is like how much when you're betting on all and bringing back Fletcher Cox, it's not that like probably all of them will decline. But some of them might and sooner than they expected. And that's kind of just the question you have to wonder about. I think, I mean, cause that's a fair thing, right? Like it's fair to examine the potential like pitfalls or flaws or whatever, like, you know, from the results here. But like what, what I ultimately come back to is like, what, what, and I know you like obviously know this, but like, what was the alternative option? Like for, for the Cowboys at corner, it was, you had Trayvon Diggs. Cool. Like you were set there. They have Deron Bland coming off his rookie season and he was awesome but he was awesome in the slot. So do you want to kick him outside? Do you want to try that out? You have Jordan Lewis coming back off of injury. Like you need him to play nickel as well. Are you going to bring Anthony Brown back? Are you going to bet on that? You know, I had wanted them to sign Patrick Peterson. I mean, you know, they didn't go. I would much obviously rather have Stefan Gilmore. I mean, I do think Peterson was a little bit underrated last year in Minnesota. I know that the whole defense was bad, but um, I mean, and then at receiver, Okay, like we, we know, like, okay, you have CD Lamb, like you need something else. Like Michael Gallup wasn't it last year. They're banking on him returning to some form. But so now, like, now they're not as dependent on that. And that, that's what, what they've been. They've depended on the exception. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's to your point, it's one thing to say, like, if these exceptions go right, then like we go from being a really good team to like an elite team. Right. But if you're like, man, we are like last year and I killed them for this. You know, it's like they were depending on Tyron Smith playing every game at left tackle and that blew up in their face. And to their credit, they survived it. But they were depending on somebody stepping up opposite of CeeDee Lamb. That never happened. You know what I'm saying? It, it never happened. And it was so bad that we freaked out when they signed T.Y. Hilton. You know what I mean? Like in December. 
And so they're raised, they're giving themselves more room for error at these critical positions. They do, they are acting at the very least like a front office that has learned a very painful lesson. And for that, I'm great. I think it's fair to say the Gilmore thing, they probably couldn't have done better relative to alternatives. I do think it's a little fair to wonder about Cooks versus, again, like someone like DeAndre Hopkins or... Well, what's that? That all is contextual. Like, what does Agreed. it take to land DeAndre? I don't know, ultimately? and we'll see. You know but I mean? that just because it costs more doesn't necessarily mean it, like it was a bad or like oh well, we got cooks for cheaper, so that's better. Like, I mean, at some point, I think it's fair to wonder if being so cost effective, if you want to call it that, at every position is the right move. And going back to again what I said about Jerry Jones, what he had to say, I think there is a time where it is time to push the chips in and get a little aggressive, not necessarily with every single move, but I think it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's finding the right balance of that. And I wonder, I'm not saying they're definitely doing it, but I wonder if the Cowboys are playing it a little too conservative in that regard, and they should be a little bit more aggressive. And look, again, offseason is not over. Maybe they still do have a big move out there, but that really hasn't been their MO recently. And they can have success without that. They've had some success without that. But it's hard for me to look at what the Eagles did last year with some of those big swings and say like oh it's definitely you just have to play it safe well two things and then we can move on to the giants we'll take a break first actually um one the biggest swing in my mind that the eagles made was aj brown right and that didn't happen until the night of the of the draft the first night and so like you know it's a lot like to, to date there it is an a plus maybe not a plus but it is an a off season to date we're still very 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 early obviously in the process and you know are they going to extend Dak prescott like all those things have to happen but so like you know to to the point that they're at now you know and and they're you know, I thought it was strange. Like, why did they restructure Brandon Cooks' deal? They could have, for what it's worth, they could have gotten out of it before the restructure. They could have gotten out after the 23 season. Why? Like, that isn't just about wanting to ensure that Brandon Cooks is on the team in 2024. Like, what are they creating salary cap space for? And that's not like, ooh, the big thing's coming. But yeah, like, teams, they're, they're, they're allowed. Teams don't yeah, restructure guys to like do something nothing. well they also don't do it like necessarily immediately it's sort of the flexibility that they can do that thing if it's a timer it's not like hey we know this thing's coming right, right down the pipeline next so we're gonna do it doesn't usually work like that so like it's funny when you see contracts get restructured because everyone's like oh that means something's coming immediately it doesn't it just means that they want to allow for the possibility that something could happen again i agree with you entirely my point is like they are like what is encouraging is they're allowing themselves the flexibility if something does pop up to where they don't have to you know scramble and find the necessary cap space um so that's one thing my second thing uh, and then we can move on is i understand why this happened and i'm guilty of doing this in different ways but when mccarthy said his like we want to run the ball thing at the combine the world like thought it was the dumbest thing that any human being had ever said and it was so stupid to freak out about that because where, where mike mccarthy is truly elite and hang on before you roll your eyes is he understands how to get what he wants in his job he understands who he works for and he understands that the joneses built their nfl kingdom on the shoulders of a great running game and they want to be known as a team who runs the football and mike mccarthy is humble enough to go out in front of whatever microphones or cameras he has to and and will say yeah we want to run the football but what has happened what does the evidence show us since he made that comment, they released Zeke, the like franchise running back, you know, the bruiser, bell cow, whatever, and they traded for Brandon Cooks. And I'm not suggesting or, or speculating that they're going to throw the ball 50 times a game, but it just goes to show you how like you can't and like this is a, a dramatic example, but you don't have to believe everything that everyone says this time of year. Like I, I don't for a second believe the Eagles are in on Bijan Robinson, but like they know how to play the public game. 
I mean, the evidence will be in the season. The evidence is not now because I, yes, you added those pieces, but that's not literally Mike McCarthy is the GM. Yes, he's involved in the process, but just because you get the ingredients doesn't mean you're always going to use them a certain way. So I think I'm just saying it was dumb to act like he was an idiot for saying he wanted to run the ball. Like he clearly, it was, it was silly to overreact. I don't think it's an overreaction. I think if, we go through the season and they're not running as much, then sure. Then you can say that. I think it's a little premature to say that it's definitely not going to be the case. We'll see. Um, the Cowboys now have a player who beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl and Ronald Jones. So, wow. Wow. <laughs> Let's uh, take a break and then we'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Wow! During Andy, the welcome break, back from the break. RJ said, during the break, you, um, during the break, you went and put something on the grill yourself. Uh, I don't have a grill, but did, um, during the break, what did you put on the grill? You were telling me that you were listening to your favorite high school emo song. I know you're like a dashboard confessional guy. So, like, what, what were you listening to? What song was it? Was it one? Was it something from them? Was it Hands Down by Dashboard Confessional? I was going to um, ask you your favorite dashboard song, but then I knew you were going to give me like Vindicated, which should be the right answer, or Hands Down. But Vindicated is the answer because it was on the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. Some really good um, song. If, if it hadn't been uh, associated with Spider-Man. Oh, dude, that soundtrack is that, that soundtrack rocks. Does that also have um, um the Chad Kroger uh hero song? Nickelback? No, it's, it's Nick, specifically a, a Chad it's Kroger Nickelback. song. If you look at the listing. I'm I'm very certain that the uh credit for that is Nickelback. Uh it's Chad, Chad Kroger. Kroger featuring Josie Scott from Saliva, I believe. So um hmm. so I'm I'm looking Wikipedia, at the soundtrack listing. Hero parentheses right, Chad Kroger song. Hmm, interesting. Is it is hang on, I'm looking at it. Is that is is that i think that's on the spider-man one soundtrack like i'm not disputing that you're right but yeah i don't um, i don't know i didn't know I, for sure what i didn't say i knew what soundtrack was on i just knew it was attached to spider-man from that um trilogy and i'm pretty sure i'm right about this yeah from wikipedia hero is a song yeah. by canadian musician chad kroger lead vocalist of nickelback and american musician josie scott okay. i was wrong there yeah i was wrong there really but um, so i was thinking I was speaking specifically of the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. So the Spider-Man 2 Wikipedia page is very interesting. The soundtrack uh, Wikipedia page. Uh, the number one song on this um, soundtrack was Vindicated by Dashboard Confessional. Yeah. Number two, you were right, dude. This album slaps Ordinary by Train. Hmm. What a great song. 
Um, number three, a great song by Hoobastank called Did You. This is just like all classic stuff. Um, there was a song on this album called Gifts and Curses by Yellow Card. Everybody thinks of Ocean Avenue and, and that whole album when it comes to Yellow Card. If you have not heard the song Gifts and Curses by Yellow Card, it's a great treadmill song. Mm. Like that's that's all I'll say. Um, I could go The Reason um, by Hoobastank. Like that's kind of a, wow, a popular that's thing. that's a classic. Um, I mean, but so lame and chalk. Um, oh, what's your favorite dashboard How about song? some My Chemical? Oh, I was going to ask you, MCR. I mean, that I was would, another one I was going to ask you. I, okay. I was. I mean, like, I would say Vindicated for dashboard. I mean, yeah, for dashboard. But hands down, the like, you know, like it's it's a little bit of a different vibe. Um, as far as MCR, yeah. um, I can only think of two. Um, I can think of Helena, right? Yeah, that's I mean, that's song. like and, that's a basic um, answer. So. Well, I know, but and I I vividly remember the music video for that song. Yeah. Um, and um, thank you for the. Venom. I was gonna say thank the you for the venom is a good that, answer. <laughs> that's a great song. Uh, so um, not quite. You know, I, I'm just instead of like, I know it's not emo, but I'll say I do anything by Simple Plan. Like I'm just throwing it back to some that like alternative rock we'll times. There. That's yeah. A, yeah, it's a it's a, a an era just a hair earlier, but the, the you know Simple Plan, Good Charlotte. Um, by the way, I saw on the Spider-Man 2 Wikipedia page or soundtrack Wikipedia page, um, one of the songs that was inspired by the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack, Meant to Live by Switchfoot. Wow. Switchfoot. That's like big. It's like sixth grade for me or so. Switchfoot also had, uh, so they had Meant to Live. Don't know. That was such a great song. I'm saying. Um, Somewhere around there. They also had the song, um, I Dare You to Move. That's a great song. That's from their first album or one of them. Yeah. Wow, good for us. Look at us just strolling down memory All lane. All the people wow. like from Gen Z listening to this, being like, "What is this?" I, I listen to music uh, on TikTok. I don't, see, I, I don't see these. I was literally gonna say I don't see these music as, I, as sound effects. I don't think people under a certain age listen to music. I feel like the Zoomers. And this is my here. This is my. I'm getting my old man millennial take out here. Zoomers don't listen to music. They just listen to like sounds. These are just like these are various sounds, not actual songs. Um, I I agree. They like they listen to like audio versions of memes. I mean, is maybe the way I would put it. Um, by the way, the song "The Sound" by the nineteen seventy five is a great song. Mm. Um, obviously, much more newer school. Um, All right, the New York but, Giants, um, the New York Football but, Giants. No, I had a boomer thing to say. A zoom. Are we Zoomers? Is that no? How we are? Is that how? It... How dare you? That's Gen I was Z. just gonna say. I remember what. I... I remember what I was going to say. Um, Gen Z won't understand this, and I don't mean to sound super old, but there was like a certain a certain joy to when you would stay up late waiting for a certain music video to come on, mm. and it would come on. Like, it, there, was, there was such like a satisfaction. There was such a payoff to like, I waited. I was patient, and I wanted this song to come on. It came on, and now I'm enjoying it. Did you ever watch like MTV or something to that effect? Uh, I guess it would be MTV. Like before or VH1, maybe like before school, I feel like I'd wake up sometimes in the morning and that would be like what was on TV. And I'd like end up watching some of those videos like before, like, you know, like I was eating my toast, like whatever, having breakfast before school. Um, I don't mean to be this guy, but I only watched like NFL Network before wow, school. What a, um, what which a, reminds me, you like I interviewed football? Dak you like last sports? year. I, I interviewed Dak Prescott last year. Uh, people can go back and listen to it at Blog and the Voice. Oh, and I asked him what his favorite TV show was. Oh, yeah. And do you know what he said? <laughs> I remember his favorite <laughs> color answer, which is gray. That was not, that was when he, uh, when Pardon My Take interviewed him. Oh, I whatever. Asked him what his favorite TV show Same was. kind of energy, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it was Sports Center. Uh, it's not a real answer. It it's not Center. like, okay. it's not a real, it's not a real thing. It's not a real answer. Okay. The um, New York Giants. We have to kind of, 
we have to get out of here kind of quickly. Mm. Thankfully, there wasn't a lot of Commanders news, except for, uh, well, we'll get there. Um, the main Giants thing was the trading for Darren Waller, yeah. which happened right after we recorded last week. Um, so they sent pick 101. Is that correct? Or is that yeah, pick 100? It was like right there. For Darius um, Tony. I, I made this point. I can't believe more people didn't pounce on it. The Chiefs sent the pick that they obviously acquired Kadarius Tony with, who helped them win the Super Bowl. And that same pick also got Darren Waller out of the division. Like, what a boomerang. You know what I mean? For the Chiefs. Um, but anyway, um, I mean, like, dude, the Giants are killing it. Oh, they also signed Paris Campbell. Interesting. Like, you think, like, though. That's your takeaway from the Waller trade. I mean, like, it's such a low cost, um, mm. you know? and like, But you're paying like, them, though, and, too. That's the thing. I know they can get out of it. But, I know. Like, but Wally's is, on the is he not immediately is he not immediately the, the best non-Saquon skill position player that Daniel Jones has worked it's with? It's just tough, though, man. Like, look at his last two years. He's been hurt a lot. But like, but okay, so like, what are, what are the alternative options, right? Like, and, and like, let's live in that world. Like, what were they going to do? Like, I guess trade for Brandon Cooks. I mean, you know maybe I mean? it's like, T. Higgins. I don't know if the Bengals want to give up on him, but I feel like I, I was, I'm consistent in saying this. This isn't just hindsight. I do give the Giants credit. I did say on the podcast that we recorded at like an hour or not even before they traded for Waller, they needed to find that alpha target for uh, Daniel Jones. So I give them credit for doing that. But like, like, how long is even? Darren Waller going to be this piece for them again like you got AJ Brown for Jalen Hurts and I know AJ Brown like that kind of player in that mold at his age isn't available every offseason but I think you needed something closer to that and I think this is a little straying from that I mean the, the reality is Darren Waller had two amazing seasons they were in 2019 and 2020 and that's out of a what a seven-year career like so that's tough for me that's tough for me to say that he's definitely going to be I think he's going to be good a good player but when it comes to opportunity cost and it comes to like the window for this team, like, I just, I don't know that. I don't think it's an A plus kind of move at all. I think it's maybe like a, a B minus kind of move. I mean, I'm not saying it's an A plus, but, and I'm fine calling it a B minus, but like they're at the place where like B minus is great for them. Like I said this on Monday football Monday with, uh, with Michael Peterson from bolts from the blue. I don't know if you listened to it yet, but like, you know, so so like, and the, my then you know my point. Like the Giants Vikings playoff game was like the battle of the frauds, right? And and they like they kind of like established different paths for one another. Like I feel like the Vikings are just like shrinking into themselves. Like I don't believe they're frauds, but like they're, I'm I'm having a, a more and more difficult time like proving that. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're shrinking into their fraudum. Whereas the Giants are like this phoenix emerging from the fraud flame. They're like we're not frauds. Like we're here. We're gonna like be serious. We're gonna like try. And so, like, is this like, oh my gosh, like the greatest move of all time? I don't think so, but like, this is definitely a step in the positive direction for them. So, like, in that sense, it's like, do that. Like, if we do the, I know we laughed about it, but like the vertical, you know, sort of shot of the giant skill players, like that. It's those are two games that are, are much more difficult for our teams than they were in the past. And like that, in and of itself, they're they're acting like a team that was close, I guess. And and that I I consider that a win. He has missed fourteen games in the past two seasons, so that you know it's like a, it's a valid concern. He turns thirty one in December. You know, it's just to what we said about age earlier. You know, it's just that's something to kind of wonder about. Um, he is their best tight end since who? What would you, Jeremy? That's what, I, that's what I wrote in my article. I was like, who was the last um, good Giants tight end? I guess like. I was like, Kevin Boss was kind of okay, right? But I looked up the numbers, and they weren't really anything too great. So, and even Shockey wasn't that great. Although it's a little tougher to judge because the era he played in was kind of like before today's tight ends, what today's tight ends like in the NFL are. Um, I think era adjusted. He's probably a little bit number better than the numbers looked. Uh, although it wasn't a big Jeremy Shockey guy, definitely. Not a, 
he was, he was a good player to root against in the NFC East, like him, Marion Barber, like classic, like NFC East villains on other teams. Um, but yeah, I don't love this for them. I, I, I don't think it's a failure, but I also don't think it's like, a, I don't think they hit a home run with this one. I guess it would be a, maybe a double. Uh, but still like a double is a big deal for them when they've been striking out every time they've gone to the, but it's, a, it's, That's, a, again, it's a two out double though. Um, I don't know that I think that's entirely fair, but my, by the way, my cousin uh, was obsessed with Jeremy Shockey, but his, my cousin's name is Jeremy. So that was a big reason why. Um, I mean, it, again, I'm, let's see, let's see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm intrigued. You know, like th- this, this, this is the most interesting offseason the Giants have had since when, you know, like, like you're, you're the most interested to watch the Giants offense since when. Yeah. A, a while, a long time. I just don't think right. someone to so build like, around, I guess is the thing. That's what it comes down to. Well, they don't have to build around him. Kind of have like, to. to add him. They just gave their to add him to this quarterback is a big contract. Is interesting. Um, we have to get out of here because this went really. And then really, Hogshaven, really, really what's going on in the Commanders' world? Well, they did sign the quarterback. We thought, <laughs> I guess they're like, they're like, well, what's left for them? Jacoby Brissett, and sure enough, he was. He was left for them. I think this is a big upgrade in sense of vibes. This could not have been a bigger vibes upgrade realistically for what the Commanders could have acquired. Because coming off Carson Wentz, the vibes are horrible. And I think we can all say that. And everyone, by all accounts, like loves Jacoby Brissett. They, like, they, they think he's a great teammate. Um, and I know coaches love him. So I think from a culture vibes perspective, that's awesome. But like I feel like we've seen enough of Jacoby of a sample size that he's not moving the needle for you. Like I, He'll be decent. He'll be fine. And I guess that kind of speaks to the realistic uh, era that the – Commanders are in right now, which is kind of a holding pattern because they kind of have a lame duck head coach, given the status of their impending sale here. Um, by the way, Josh Harris was joined by Magic Johnson in uh, apparently reportedly in terms of bidding for the commanders. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, I don't think it really moves the needle. I think it like for the scope of 2023, the commanders made a reasonable move, but from the bigger picture, what does this really like do? Jacoby's not going to be a long-term guy. Like what is it? What does this really accomplish? Nothing. And and that's, that's where they're at. Like Michael Peterson on Monday football Monday had them as a loser. I I didn't like, as far as like teams, like cause I, they're like insignificant to me. Like, I don't, I don't feel like they've done anything to like lose, but like this was, I, I made this point there. They share a division with, three of the four teams from the divisional round on the NFC side of things. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they have shown like zero urgency to close that gap, especially in, in an off season where it might be Ron Rivera's last as the head of that team. So, I mean, they're, they're truly like in the insignificant part of the NFL right now. Like I I'm interested in the giants. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dial it all the way up to feeling like threatened. You know what I mean? But like, I am definitely interested, intrigued, maybe mildly worried. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the commanders just exist. Like it is just what it is. Um, I wanted to bring up this last thing and then we can get out of here. Um, you mentioned the ownership. Uh, I think it was JP who wrote about this at Espionation. Did you see what Dan Snyder did uh, with the new contracts? Yeah, just from the headline. I didn't read the whole article. So uh, allegedly, allegedly, they set up the new free agent contracts to have like the first payment kick in like in May, um, which is when is like after when he's expected to have sold the team. So he's like putting the onus to pay these new players on the new owner which is amazing multi-billionaire I mean, quibbling over these it's little, consistent little at least it is consistent behavior <laughs> can't say it's a shocker um wow this was a, a, a episode under construction um 
because of everything that happened. So good job, Brandon. You win today's MVP. Wow. Good for you. I I'm deserve you. it. Uh, anything else? We can get out of here. Then let's get out of here. As we leave, I would like you to tell us your favorite. There's no way people are still listening to this because it's taking forever. No, so they just turn fav- it off. You're, you're, no, your favorite. No, I'm building it up. Your favorite. Because um... they know you don't know what you're doing, okay. so they're like, "Why am I wasting my okay, time?" Actually, on this? do you put do you put ketchup or mustard on the hot dog first? Neither. I would and why? Put neither of those on my hot dog. I would oh. put the the correct topping for a hot dog is either a Chicago dog, like they do it with the no, pickle and okay. tomato and onion and all that stuff on it, sport pepper. Uh, celery salt all that or because that's like a substantial thing at that point or if i'm just gonna put like one thing on it i'm limited to one kind of addition i would put a slice of cheese Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.